You are Locked On Women's Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Magdal, reminding you you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On WBV. You can also follow all of our coverage at High Post Hoops, at High Post Hoops, uh, writing, podcasts, video, everything that you need 24-7 in the world of women's basketball. And someone who's been a huge part of that, someone who I'm really grateful for having met uh, and has covered the lead college basketball in such a comprehensive way for us uh, through year one is Ben Dahl, who is with us. Uh, ben, what are you most excited about having done in year one over at High Post Hoops? Most excited about, I mean, I, I would say just, I mean, just getting to go to the finals, um, the way, I mean, especially just, just being there for game five, I think was really awesome. In a lot of ways, the 2016 finals had a lot to do with what inspired me to want to write more. Hmm. So then to get to see the same two teams in a game five again, coming down to, you know, the final, you know, coming down to a one possession game again. I mean, that's, that's pretty special to be able to see that. Um, but then, I mean, just other than that, you know, just seeing, you know, growth a little bit at a time, um, you know, seeing different people noticing what we're doing and, and, you know, that's just, yeah, just little signs of growth. And I guess, you know, being able to be a part of those big moments. Now, I, I mean, the coverage has been, I have learned a ton from reading your work. So I'm really glad you're here because we are here to talk about, Thursday night's WNBA draft, which uh, I wrote a little bit about this uh, in a newsletter I do, uh, The Nine, uh, talking about that this is really my favorite event. Uh, And you and I were just in Columbus, and we saw, I mean, the joy of Jessica Shepard and Enrique Agumbawale was wonderful. But it was really hard to, at the same moment, see Tierra McCowan, who played her heart out, uh, and Morgan William. Uh, who was just such a competitor, there's winners and losers. WNBA draft night, generally speaking, unless you are expecting to go in the lottery and you end up in the green room until round three, it's all people whose dreams are coming true in like five-minute increments. Uh, And it is just a glorious thing. So uh, I'm excited to break it down, but also just uh, really thrilled to be there. You'll, You'll be uh, writing pick by pick, uh, you know, with a diary for what's going on, and uh, there'll be obviously a ton uh, of material uh, over at High Post Hoops. But I, I just will start with the great mystery, uh, which is round one, pick one. Who do we think that Las Vegas is going to choose? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I mean, I I agree with the consensus that's out there. I don't think. I don't think there's really a particularly strong case to make for anyone other than Asia Wilson. And I think, and I think with Vegas, like had Indiana had the pick instead, if they just had swapped places, it'd be Mm -hmm. a lot, there might be a different conversation, but I think there's additional context with the aces because you have, I don't want to say more established, but like, I mean, I mean, Kayla McBride is probably the best player of either of those two teams. And then Mm -hmm. at the guard spot, you also have, Mariah Jefferson and Kelsey Plum. So, you know, maybe if the tables were turned, there'd be more of a conversation for maybe a guard, you know, Kelsey Mitchell to be talked about there. But, you know, I'll throw all that aside. I still think Asia Wilson's the best player in this class. 
If Kelsey Mitchell were six foot one, as some have posited, and not that she <laughs> is, would she be the top overall pick? I I think so. I mean, six yeah. one, Kelsey Mitchell doing what she's done doing at six one. That'd be pretty special. And then you play you play her at the three, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean at that. Yeah, that's. I mean at that size, that's. One of a kind. Hard, hard to imagine. I, I just someday we'll see a player like that. Uh, but listen, I, I'm I'm with you on Asia Wilson, and it's interesting. Bill has made no bones about something that you saw time and time again in New York. He likes to go big. That's just the way in which he likes to play. And so he's brought in, you know, Kelsey Bone um, and uh, Carolyn Swords, and obviously he looks at Asia Wilson as a four, and so. WNBA talent evaluators I've talked to don't have much doubt about Asia Wilson. Uh, the one question they have is, is she going to consistently be able to defend fours? You, you have any question, uh, having seen her, that uh, that's something she'll be able to handle in right away? Um, as far as right away, I don't, I don't know. I think, that's, I think that's tough. I mean, it's not like we're seeing her. Because, I mean, if you're talking about the four, you know, what are, you, what are we talking about? You're talking about you know, can this player match up with Candace Parker and Lana Deldon, right? Right, right. And, I mean, ultimately, the answer to that for anyone is, like, the answer is no, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the point. That's the point of them being so great is that you can't just, you can't, no one can just walk on the court and do that to them. Um, but, but like, I, take someone I, like I, Rebecca Brunson and, and the way Cheryl Reeve deploys her uh, now all around, uh, you know, the half-court set. Is that a reasonable one-on-one option? Because you're right. Obviously, they all need help, and part of what uh, I think Bill is looking to do is to create a situation where whoever's defending Asia Wilson is going to need help as well. Right. Yeah. And I, I. Yeah. And Brunson obviously did a fantastic job in the finals. And I. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the idea of her playing the four. I think, you know, maybe early on there might be games where you know you get a couple possessions where it's. You know, she has to kind of figure out her and Bone kind of have to figure out how they want to play with each other and and stuff like that. But you know, I I like the I I like that as a strategy long term to you know give her a chance to not necessarily have to take that beating. But she also, you know, she has some of the tools where you'd want to give her chances to play, you know, play away from the basket a little bit to work on her jumper, to face up and drive, and you know, of course. And if, you know, one day Bill Lambier decides, hey, I only wanted to be a five, I mean, you know, he can make minutes for her to do that if he wants to. So I don't I don't really see why that'd be a problem to, to look at her as a four right away. I, I hope we see some smaller lineups. And, and I'm not optimistic that we will. And far be it for me to question, uh, quite frankly, what Bill Lambier has done in this league. But he was very clear. He was on the podcast a couple months ago and talked about Kayla McBride is his two guard, and it really sounds more like the situation where Mariah Jefferson, when she returns, uh, which you know people are hopeful it's May or June, uh, but when she returns, that she's split in time with Kelsey Plum at the one, and the opportunity to see a three guard set, or you know even I, I mean you just imagine the possibilities on the offensive end with Plum, Jefferson, and McBride. Uh, and Asia Wilson at a five, and a number of other players that they can slot in uh, to the four there, you know, given the flexibility of that roster. Uh, doesn't sound like it's going to come to pass, uh, at least in year one. But I will just say this. There, you know, you talked about the long term with Asia Wilson, and uh, obviously that's, 
the goal with whatever uh, you choose to do with the first overall pick. Uh, but when I compare her to the pedigree of some of the top players who have come out over the past 10 years, uh, whether you know you talk about you know uh, whether you talk about Adele Dom, when you talk about Brianna Stewart, uh, you know those level of players. Shanae uh, Ogwumite is another great example. Player efficiency rating, they were all at 23 or above on year one. You typically have seen the players who have become stars at the 4-5 slot over the past decade have been those stars right away. And uh, so it is my suspicion, given what a finished product she is, given her basketball IQ, uh, given the way she's prepared for this in so many different ways over the course of her career, uh, that that's what I think we're going to see out of Asia Wilson in year one. Do you see that as a likely outcome right away? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I think she's going to be really good right away. I think her, I think we're going to, I think she's going to be really successful as a driver, even right away, even if people try to play off of her a little bit. Just at her size, I mean, at the other thing at the four is like, you know, other, you know, part of what, you know, Parker, Deladon, Dana Stewart, they're some of the best players, but also like at their position, other than those three players, for the most part, like everyone else is, you know, in a way undersized. Everyone else is, you know, six foot, six one. Right. Um, so then to be six four, if you're going to be facing up players and taking them to the room when you're already bigger than them, I think that's going to create a lot of opportunity. And, you know, the whole four or five thing. And then, of course, you know, if she gets a five on her, she can probably take a lot of them off the bounce right away, too, and, and get a step on and go to the room. Yeah, no, it's going to be fascinating to see. I'm, I'm really excited uh, to be <clears throat> uh, a problem uh, that they're going to have with too many guards down the line is, you know, quite frankly, a healthy thing and something that a lot of teams would wish for. Uh, if Mariah Jefferson were healthy from day one, uh, I think this would be a team that would challenge for a playoff berth. I think probably uh, Bill's going to need a year to consolidate uh, but they are going to be a must-watch. And uh, th- let's let's take uh, a step from there to the second overall pick, uh, where I have projected right now Kelsey Mitchell going to Indiana. Uh, I, I know that uh, certainly uh, Azaria Stevens has been in the conversation. It would not shock me if Stevens is ultimately the pick. Uh, we also had a piece over at High Post Hoops. Uh, there's conversation about some people who want to acquire uh, that pick, most recently Washington, was interested for purposes of drafting Kelsey Mitchell. I, I have questions about Kelsey Mitchell, and I have an overwhelming amount of excitement for what Kelsey Mitchell already is. Uh, I, just to lay it out briefly from my perspective, she plays at an elevated pace. So the idea that Poti Chapman, who had basically zero guards by the end of the year last year, I mean, it was crazy. Uh, the affliction that visited every one of her backcourt players and, and left her with nobody. But Poti Chapman is someone capable of supercharging a guard's career, an elite guard uh, in particular. You can ask Courtney, Courtney Vandersloot about that uh, and, and what happened in Chicago. So the idea that she would be able to mold Kelsey Mitchell would be remarkable, not just because of the speed she played at, but the fact that she's already a really effective three-point shooter, north of 40% in her senior year. And her turnover rate, which is something just people don't talk about nearly enough, turnover percentage uh, below 10%, despite having the ball in her hands 
all the time her senior year at Ohio State and first person uh, on the opposition scouting report. So I, I'm very excited about what she can be. Uh, you know, what are your initial thoughts about her as a fit in Indiana? I think, yeah, I, I think it'd be an awesome fit. I think, you know, you mentioned the injuries they had last year. When they, you know, when they did have their full complement of players, I thought they were one of the, I thought they were really fun to watch, especially on offense. I, you know, they got a lot of times they were able to get into multiple pick and rolls on a given possession. And I mean, even, even with some turnover, I mean, I think, I think they'll still be pretty good on that end if they can keep everyone healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think, you know, Candace Dupree really unlocks a lot of that for them. But yeah, I mean, Kelsey Mitchell, like, you mentioned the turnover rate, but also like just like she's been basically shooting ten threes a game for four years and been a thirty nine percent shooter in that span. And you know a lot of those are off the dribble. A lot of those are, you know, she's the best player, so she has to take a lot of tough shots. I think you know that <laughs> that that doesn't really come along that often. And I think I think it will. You know, people have questioned the playmaking and wondering if that's going to be good, but also. Stepping into the WNBA, there's going to be she's going to be able to operate with more space because she's going to be with better shooters. Hmm. Again, like the caveat of like you know if everyone's healthy, but she's going to step into the floor into the game with more shooting on the court, and then you have the defensive three seconds. There aren't going to be people just camping in the lane. I think it's going to be a lot more open for her. So maybe if she isn't at the point where she's making the reads where people feel like she would validate that number two selection. I think it's going to be a lot, I think it'll be easier for her to get there than pe- maybe some people think, given that she's going to be, she's going to have more space to operate. You know, I, I think you're right. And I, I think it's, it's a reason why, like I said, I'm extremely high on what she can be. And you, you talk to people across the league and there's just this understanding that, look, this combination of next level athleticism and the things she's already able to do doesn't come along very often, but it reminds me quite a bit of the Jewel Lloyd uh, package coming in. And this is to take nothing away from what Jewel Lloyd has already done as a player. Uh, but I, I remember I, I asked Sue Bird about this uh, a year ago uh, about, you know, look, ultimately, is she a two? Is she a one in this league? And Sue said, you know, I think she can be either. But the difference in Seattle last year when Sue was out there to facilitate and when Jewel was the one as primary facilitator was Stark. And so I looked at Kelsey Mitchell's senior year and I, I said sort of an arbitrary line in my head, gee, I'd like to see her assist percentage north of 30%. And she, she wasn't there. She didn't get there. And I'm surprised that that number hasn't gone up because her ability to see the floor uh, is uh, second to none. But she is not has not been a facilitator yet in the way of, quite frankly, a couple of other people in this draft, a Jordan Canada at UCLA, uh, Alexi Brown uh, out, out of Duke. And so that is the one flashing light that where if Kelsey Mitchell, on top of everything else, uh, had an assist percentage that approached what the two of them had done, uh, I, I think she has an argument uh, for top overall pick. Yeah, I mean that that there's there's definitely a case to be made, and I think I think another thing with Mitchell is like that she like her burst off the dribble. Like I don't think I mean I haven't I haven't seen the argument made by anyone, and I don't really think there's reason to think that 
you know, I don't, th- I don't think she's one of these players where you're going to say like, oh, will they, you know, will they be able to get by people and will they be able to get to the rim? And I think that's, I think that's a big separator. Of I agree. Anytime I, you're evaluating a lead, lead ball handler in the first round of the draft. There, there is, uh, I, I don't think anyone is asking that question. I agree with you. She, she is glorious to watch. That, I mean, look, that's the other thing. There are a lot of Indiana players who I really enjoy. Uh, but since Tamika Katchen's retired, now you have an absolute reason why you must turn on the Indiana Fever every time she takes the floor. And, um, you know, to be honest, that's, that's a big deal in and of itself. Uh, so moving on uh, beyond that second pick, uh, and we go to three and four. And so I have it currently projected, and, and just to be clear, three and four are the same team. So it literally doesn't matter what order they are taking in the Chicago sky are getting the third and fourth players in these draft uh, in this draft, assuming there are no trades. As of right now, I've got it as Diamond DeShields uh, and Azure Stevens. And so just, you know, briefly, my thinking about each, uh, I, I'm a big fan of Diamond DeShields. You know, I, I know there's more tumult in her career than you typically are looking for out of a high draft pick, you know, for those who, uh, you know, don't know or remember she left Tennessee a year early after saying she was going to return and thus uh, wasn't drafted last year, went to play overseas, uh, and uh, now you know, is part of the draft. And, of course, she transferred once during her college career. Uh, there are people who will uh, hold that against certain players. I'm certainly not one of them. Uh, I, I think players need to go to the best situation that they can find. Uh, in the same way the coaches do, uh, the difference being players are not being paid in the process, so they have even more of a motivation to do so. But Diamond to Shields does a lot of things, and it's easy to forget that when we haven't seen her uh, stateside for about a year, but her ability to create her own shot is really significant, especially given her size. Uh, her defensive skills are such that uh, she is a combination of a rim protector and somebody who gets into passing lanes uh, on a regular basis, terrific reach uh, that maximizes a height uh, that sits one but plays up and again has has a real mind for the game i've always been impressed by uh, what she has to say uh, when we chat about basketball and uh, think very highly of her think she's going to be a really really terrific pro uh, and so that's my thinking on on diamond to shields but what are your impressions you know having uh, having seen her as well yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I agree with you on on most of what you said there. I think, I think her ability to be someone that can get a shot is a is a real separator for her. I think, you know, I think for Chicago, I think you're looking, you know, you've got three All Star caliber caliber players at the one, two, and the five, and it, I mean, it's just, it's for their situation you also have the very obvious thing of you know hey what can we add what can we add in those two forward slots and Mm -hmm. this seems like you know i think looking at the top of the draft like it's at a certain point in time it's hard because you want to say like okay we think we think x number of things are going to happen but there's got to be one that isn't right but i don't know i can't i can't talk this is one where i can't really talk myself into thinking that she doesn't that she isn't the right choice with one of these two picks for Chicago. She's just, there's so much there that it's really hard to imagine them passing it up, uh, especially given two opportunities to do so. 
Uh, so, you know, there's, there's, there's Diamond at three. And then, so I'll just say this. I, I'm projecting Ezra Stevens at four. And this is in no way a knock on Stevens. Stevens is uh, a tremendously talented player. Stevens is six foot six. Stevens is capable, uh, as we even saw in the final four, of uh, some ability to guard around the rim, even though she's not uh, a thick six six. So she didn't get bullied by uh, a lot of the league's larger fives uh, right away. That's not what we're talking about here. But someone who can give you some minutes there uh, at the defensive end. She's someone who theoretically should be a perimeter shooter. Uh, I, I, I remember Gino uh, Oriema talking about her as my 6-6-2 guard. Uh, but her percentage was not great. Now, it's hard to necessarily project based on what is ultimately a small sample size, uh, not to mention the fact that she didn't, even within those uh, 37 games, uh, take a whole lot of threes. But if we're trying to treat her like you know she's the 6-6 uh, unicorn of sorts, although not really, given how many players uh, who are big are able to shoot the three in this lead at this point. Uh, Unicorns have kind of gone out of fashion there as the lead has evolved. Uh, She's not really doing it yet. There's reason to think she could, and she has in the past, but she's not really doing it at the moment. If I'm Chicago, and I have Steph Dolson at the five, and I can deploy Diamond to Shields to go along with that backcourt, Gabby Williams is my pick. Uh, but I don't think that's who they're going to choose. I think they're going to go with Stevens and uh, her extra seven inches and her upside. Well, what do you think about that? What would you do in that spot? Yeah, I, I, I think for me the the question is pretty similar. It's just kind of the last thing you said is do you, if you're in that situation, are you really, the idea that Gabby Williams is shorter, does that really bother you? Does that you know? Is that something that would keep you up at night, or are you gonna look at all the good things she does and think, okay, you know, we're gonna, we will be able to roll with that? I think, I do still think a lot of it for Stevens is more of what she could do. I, I would probably want to lean more towards Gabby Williams too, to go to Shields and then her. I think just all the things that she can do with the ball at her size. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean this, and this is, a, I mean this is a team that's built to score. You know, I think. You know, I think they may get it may hurt them in the playoff chase if they can't get enough stops. But like, you look at what you have. You have you have players that can really pass. You have you're kind of built to run, pick and roll. And I think you know, Gabby Williams would just be a really fun player to be able to throw into that mix as another person that can pass, that can push the pace, that can face up people slower than her than her and take them all the way to the rim. And and, and like you said, I think, I think that's too much. Can get stops. Go ahead. Uh, can get stops against threes, against fours. We we've seen her handle fives. Uh, you know, I asked her about that during the tournament, and she said she definitely prefers guarding people out on the perimeter. Uh, but we basically never saw her guard twos at UConn. I, I'm not someone uh, who believes she wouldn't be able to. Uh, not just because of her athleticism, but also because Gabby Williams. And, and there's a lot of competition in this draft, but Gabby Williams might just have the best basketball IQ of anybody in this draft. She just understands the game. It is her, it is her language. She speaks basketball so well. And so I, I'm just so high on her. There is another red flag with her is uh, that she's got uh, French citizenship as well. And there's 
obviously a concern that she would uh, play overseas and that that could cut into the amount of WNBA time. Uh, but even still, I just think I think Gabby Williams is a championship player, and uh, I, I she she would be someone I would pick in that spot. So I I hear you, and uh, that's no knock on Stevens, but that's just how how highly I think of Gabby Williams. Well, I think I think an interesting an interesting thing with the Chicago situation is, you know, depending on you t- on who you talk to, you might this might not this doesn't always come up as much, but you know, it's 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 pretty clear that Jessica Breland is one of the best two or three free agents to change teams, and you know, the what if of if if she had still been in town, I think, and I think specific to if it's a question of Azra Stevens or Gabby Williams, I think that's a really interesting hmm. conversation to have to kind of be a fly on the wall for that because then, you know, if if you're looking at both these players as versatile forwards with a lot of room to grow, if you still have Jessica Breland, you know, I I don't think, then I think it almost doesn't matter as much if you're going to say, oh, but can Gabby Williams be our four if she's undersized because then you still have Breland around. Right. Right. No, I, I, Breland, I mean, I'm so curious to see uh, what she does down in Atlanta. Atlanta has all these pieces, and I can't even begin to understand uh, how they're going to fit together, but I'm really confident in Nikki Collins' ability to figure it out. So I'm extremely, I was tweeting about that the other day, but very excited to see what the dream are. Uh, but in Chicago, we know what Breland is and can be. Uh, and to me, she's a prototype four for where the lead is going. Uh, but I agree with you. And uh, But she's gone. She's in Atlanta. And uh, so, you know, more power to the dream, who uh, also traded uh, their, uh, what turned out to be a lottery pick to Chicago, which is why Chicago has two of the top four picks. So uh, maybe there's uh, a bit of fairness in uh, seeing that turn out the way it did. Uh, but let's, let's move beyond uh, the draft lottery uh, into the fifth pick and into uh, what I think is the most uh, intriguing way for Seattle to go. And I've thought this for some time, so the fact that the draft seems to be falling this way is really interesting to me. And uh, so I have Jordan Canada out of UCLA uh, going fifth, uh, going to Seattle, becoming that bridge to the future. Uh, she can apprentice with Sue Bird. Uh, who knows a thing or two about playing point guard in the WNBA. She can ultimately long-term be positioned next to Jewel Lloyd, allows Jewel Lloyd to be Jewel Lloyd instead of some sort of hybrid Jewel Lloyd that has to be or become a point guard. Because uh, I don't think Lloyd is Skylar Diggins, although that comparison uh, gets made a lot. I think Lloyd is going to be at her best as a Simone Augustus-type player in this league, more of a classic two. And I just think she's going to be amazing. And I don't think that Dan Hughes, who uh, could use uh, the point guard uh, right now and is obviously was a win-now coach uh, and win-now coaching hire, uh, is going to pass up the opportunity to get the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year to boot. So just curious what your thoughts are uh, about Jordan Canada and about the way she'd fit in Seattle. I mean, I I think... I mean, I, I think she's an awesome player. I mean, I, I've been, I was watching her all year covering the Pac-12. I, I think a lot, she, I think she really projects well as someone to kind of lead a team to be that, to fill that more 
conventional role where she's going to do one bring the ball up. She's going to be handling a lot in pick and roll. Um, she can be someone that can really get into people um, and give a, give opposing ball handlers a lot of trouble. Um, and I mean, and she improved her three point shooting. I mean, and that's how huge is that? I mean, she attempted 13, I think it was as a freshman. And then she comes out as a senior and she's shooting, you know, 38, 39% shooting off the bounce. Um, and just, you know, anytime it was there, she was going to take it. And, and that, that evolution is just, is so huge. I'm sure that has a lot to do with, you know, her being on board as high as she is now. I, I think it also helps that she has become such a great finisher around the rim. And I, I give Corey Close a ton of credit for uh, the way in which she's helped Jordan Canada develop. But she uh, has elevated her efficiency around the rim, and that makes a huge difference. But she already was capable of finding players in transition. She was capable of, in half-court sets, uh, making sure that the right read happened. Uh, her her assist percentage has been top 30 each of the past couple of years, and it's not just, uh, you know, against uh, the bottom of the Pac-12. She does it in big games. Uh, I, I watched her in person uh, against UConn last year in the tournament, and she played in a game that people don't really talk about because ultimately it was UConn falling to Mississippi State that garnered so much of the attention out of the 2017 tournament. But UCLA played them tough uh, in, in the same way that Duke did. Uh, in the round of 16. And Jordan Canada, by memory serves, had something like eight assists and either one or zero turnovers playing against that, that UConn pressure and mostly being guarded uh, by Kia Nurse, one of the better defensive players in the country. So, you know, I, I think her transition is going to be pretty immediate. There's this school of thought, typically, that most rookies who aren't the very top of the draft are going to struggle I don't necessarily expect that from Jordan Kennedy either. Yeah, and I, I mean, I mentioned the the thing about playing in space, playing in space at the next level for Kelsey Mitchell. I, I mean, I think with Canada, yeah, I mean, she's she's had some really awesome finishes, and she's another player where you're not, you know, with her burst. I don't think anyone's ever going to question whether she can get there. And you know, Seattle's going to they're going to be able to play, able to play four round one pretty much all the time if they want to, which will really help, which will really be helpful to her. And, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that she just, that she already did it this year. I mean, I, UCLA is an awesome team and I, I love how they were built, but they're, they were built to get stops. Most of the time they had three awesome at long athletes with her money billings, but a lot of times teams would zone them up and it was just, you know, up to Canada or billings to create something on their own. And, you know, they, <laughs> They got him that far in spite of that and, you know, getting some timely shot making from those role players. But, you know, to have seen her already do that, yeah, I, I think this this would be a good fit for them. So I have her going fifth. I have Lexi Brown going sixth to Dallas. I went back and forth on this for the last couple of months because I, I really like them both a lot. Lexi's another really smart point guard, somebody uh, who – gives you a ton of defensive value right from the start. I, I believe she led uh, the ACC in, in steals percentage, if not uh, you know, certainly among the leaders in the country as well. Uh, understands the game, uh, is able to hit the perimeter sh- shot as well. She has more of your classic WNBA one body 
you know, whereas Jordan obviously is, is a lot smaller. Um, I think that's overrated uh, as a potential uh, separator at the next level, but it does uh, give some confidence to people who like their guards a little bigger. Uh, and Fred Williams, you know, and Red Bibb, uh, they're, they're two people who do. Uh, so I see her as a really solid fit, allowing, to, allowing her to grow with a young team in Dallas that, you know, let's not forget, made the playoffs on the strength of, uh, what, you know, five rookies and Kayla Thornton, who had barely played more than that, uh, coming into the season. Do you see Dallas, A, as a good fit for Lexi Brown, and, and B, you know, bottom line, do you think that for any team it's Jordan by a nose over Lexi, or do you think uh, it really would come down to situation the way I do? Yeah, I, th- I think that I think that the build of your team has has to do a little bit with that. I think I think I, I see Canada as more of a player that you can eventually have where you know the end of a game. You're just going to say, "All right, we're going to give her, we're going to give her the ball. We're going to set a screen, and mm-hmm. she's going to get us something." Um, but I think with Lexi Brown, you get a player who's a little bit bigger, who's also a good shooter, and you know maybe on defense, you can build a little differently and say that you're going to have her, you know maybe you can switch a little bit more on the perimeter. You can have her guards and two guards, maybe a little bit more of the time. But I think I mean I think a, I think another guard is what Dallas needs. Mm-hmm. If if so, a, a guard that can do stuff with the ball, I think is what they need. But you can and play her at the two. You you there. Right. She should be able to match up defensively at the two, and she has the skills to be able to play at the two as well. I think. Yeah, and I mean, and that, and they're another team that they they're going to be re- they want to they're going to be ready to and they want to win now. Yeah, a lot like Seattle, but I think in the regular season, especially, I think. They are going to really want to get a little bit more rest here and there for Skylar Diggins-Smith, so they need someone they can trust to do that and to, to help lead their offense. So I think that's where they should be looking now, and the way pretty much every board is stacked up, you know, she's going to be available at this spot. Man, I this, this draft is crazy. This is going to be such a great season. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, let's, go to, let's go to seven uh, and Washington, and if you hear... Uh, I have a pitch scream of delight. Um, believe it or not, uh, it may well be tomorrow night because Mike Tebow finds out that Gabby Williams has dropped to seven. He's able to uh, get her. I, I, I see of the moment, you know, with Emma Meesman missing the season, uh, honoring overseas commitments, and can see that when you think about how this team makes a championship run, well, they were, for all their offensive struggles, and they had quite a few last year. Uh, it took a while for Elena Deladon uh, to be able to consistently uh, find her offense. Uh, Christy Tolliver had effectively three quarters of a season shooting slump, which you just never see out of her. Uh, they didn't get the shooting that you necessarily would have expected out of Ivory Lada and some others. And so Washington, for all of that, was the fourth most efficient offense uh, in the league. And defensively, they were eighth. And Mike Tebow believes to win a championship, you need to be top half of the league in both. And someone who gets him there in a lineup that in year two of Gabby Williams would include 
Miesman at the four, let's say, and Deladon at the five, or Miesman at the five and Deladon at the four, depending on how you put it together, and Gabby at the three is suddenly a very dangerous and defensively versatile front line. And so I think he takes his shot and plans for that uh, and goes that direction, although I'm sure he'd be very happy uh, with Victoria Vivian's just the same. Yeah, I, I mean, I think those are the two players that are the most interesting to them at that spot, too. I think, yeah, you know, when you're, like you said, you set that up well. If, you know, if you're thinking Mesa and Deladon together, you know, starting next year, I think, you know, if you throw Williams into that, I think that, I mean, I think that's an awesome situation for her because both those, both those players can shoot and she'd get a chance to really operate a lot in the paint, which they, which Washington did this past season a lot with Tierra Ruff and Pratt. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you'd, there'd be a good chance you'd see her do a lot of those same things. And Gabby's even more explosive, taking it to the rim. And I think that'd be awesome for her. But it, it's, it's really tough. I mean, because the idea of Victoria Vivian's as someone who you could get to a point where she's doing, taking on more offensively, but even just from day one, just knowing we can put her in a corner, she's going to make a bunch of threes and people know that they have to guard her because you know what, you know, the tough thing for when they, when they got into a game in a series with the Lynx, or you think about the regular season game they had against the Sparks where they gave up cost of a big lead. Yeah. And they're pretty frustrated about that afterwards. The problem is, like, when you get into one of those games, you want to be able to put yourself in a position where you can just give Dell down the ball and let her go to work. And if you can put another really good shooter with her, that increases your chances of being able to do that. And, yeah, I think that's, you know, we talked about the idea of Gabby Williams going earlier, and if she's there, I think that, that makes that a really tough call. It 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 really does. And, I, you got to love Vic Schaefer for what he did, that not only did he fundamentally change her role uh, in a way that made her a better player for Mississippi State, he set her up by putting her on the four in, in a way that she is, I think, much more attractive to WNBA teams because they were able to see in real time for the better part of a season what Victoria Vivians would be as a pro. And so, you know, certainly she would fit uh, in, in Mike Tebow's scheme, to be sure. I just think, like you said, you know, Washington is another team. It's funny how many we're saying that as we're going through, you know, first round of the draft and we're not even talking about teams that were at the upper end last year. Uh, but uh, a win-now team in Washington, you can win now with the type of UConn player that Gabby Williams is. Uh, you know, there was a rookie, uh, I don't know if you remember her, uh, back in 2011 uh, with the Lynx, who came out of UConn, uh, Maya Moore. I'm not really sure what happened to her, but uh, she did, you know, pretty well as a rookie and, and managed to win pretty early on. And, and, and again, Sue Bird, same thing. And, and, and I really do put Gabby Williams just in terms of her basketball intelligence at that same level. I don't think you'd see a lot of the rookie mistakes that uh, that typically doom a lot of the young players adjusting to this league. So it'd be very interesting to see how that goes. And, and again, I have now at eight, I have Victoria Vivians uh, going to Indiana. And I, again, you just think about Vivians in that offense run by Kelsey Mitchell uh, at hyper speed. Uh, she will 
happily take the shots. Indiana needs more shot makers. They need people who are capable and willing. Uh, nobody is as willing as uh, Victoria Vivians as uh, sometimes uh, aggravated the coaching staff in Mississippi State, but uh, much more frequently delighted them. And so seeing her with Poti uh, is something uh, I think would really be wonderful for Indiana and for the league as well. You see it that way too? Yeah, I mean, I, I think like at eight, if, if Gabby Williams or Williams are there, I think that's a slam dunk for Indiana. And I think, you know, they should be, I mean, I think they should be jumping for joy. Like, I don't, yeah. you know, Maria Vadiva is someone we're seeing a lot right there who I'm a little bit more skeptical of at that spot. But I think, mm-hmm. man, I think those two players, I think, you know, we, I mean, we've talked about their strengths enough, but I think, I think at eight, you know, a pick that they weren't, until a couple weeks ago, they they had no idea they were going to have that. But then the Brianna January trade happens, and I think one of those two players that gives them someone that's going to be really exciting for the fans to see right away, but also a player that definitely is someone you're going to be able to build around and say like this, you know, this player is going to be a part, a big part of the next playoff team whenever that happens, mm-hmm. two years, three years, four years from now. You you just think as a thought exercise the number of years that Victoria Vivians and Gabby Williams would both have been lottery picks. It's most of them. It's most of them. That's that's how much of a disparity there is in the draft this year. It's just just amazing. And and it even continues to the ninth pick. I, I mean, I, I have Kia Nurse going to Connecticut Sun at the ninth overall pick. I, I, I think Tori Jankoska got a raw deal. I think Tori Jankoska can play in this league. And the fact that she was drafted and then cut after one game after all the teams had set their rosters really put her in a difficult position. I hope she gets another chance. Uh, she did some great things at Michigan State. But, you know, it's night and day when you compare Jen Costa's game in terms of where it already is to where Kia Nurse's game already is. I mean, Kia Nurse, it's not just that She's part of multiple championship teams. It's not just that Kia Nurse is capable of guarding twos. I mean, you, you remember the job she did shutting down Asia Dirk, which is a virtually impossible thing to do. Kia Nurse is capable of running games at the one. You can throw her out there uh, as a point guard and be just fine. Kia Nurse can create her own shot. Kia Nurse has international experience winning tournaments. Uh, if you remember, she beat Brianna Stewart's USA basketball team uh, a few years ago, playing for Team Canada. And uh, that combination of defensive versatility and the ability to hit threes at you know roughly a 45% rate, which is where she was, uh, give or take, over the past you know, couple of years, I mean, that Kurt Miller can have the year he just had with the Connecticut Sun and that talented team that, if anything, they, they have too many players relative to minutes. Uh, and, and now you got to find a spot for Tia Nurse. It's a good problem to have, but my goodness, that talent at nine? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I, I really. this is another one that I, I really like, and this is a, another one that's kind of been almost a universe. There's almost been a universal consensus with this one of the people that are putting boards together. I think because you look at it and you say, okay, oh, she went to UConn. Oh, you're telling me the team from Connecticut is going to draft her. There's, you know, it can't be that easy. Right. But then you look at, but then you get to this point in the draft too. You look, I mean, 
teams that are teams that are definitely. I mean, if all things go well, I mean they they want to get home court advantage if they can. Mm-hmm. And but then you just look at their roster. I think she's an awesome fit because you know she's listed at six foot. So yeah, I mean you can have her on the wing and ask and and you know you know you should she can make open shots and you know it is a new level playing at the pro level and she's even addressed that that she wants to improve defensively to to be able to handle that. But you add another person that can guard out on the wing because that might be the only place they actually have to offer playing time to anybody. Right. Um, behind Shakina Strickland, I mean, it's a guard spot. They've got five guards already. But so you look at her and you say she's a two guard, a point guard, but at at six foot, she might actually be able to get time on the wing. And she's probably a player that, that would, you know, get that deservingly and would definitely have to earn it if she's going to be on the Sun roster. But you're right. Uh, to, to push Strickland or, or to be Strickland insurance uh, is 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 certainly something that you can have. It, it will. I, I really want to see what she becomes for Kurt Miller, and I just I, I'm eager. To be honest, the only downside to my mind of seeing Kia Nurse go nine is I don't think she'll get a ton of playing time her rookie year, and uh, I'm I'm disappointed about that. But she is hyper efficient. Kurt's gonna love that. That's a big reason why I picked Bree Jones last year. Uh, and uh, I can't wait to see it. Now, you jump to 10, and so I'm glad, you know, I waited to engage you about uh, Maria Vadiva, who I have going to the Liberty. Liberty are clearly interested in shoring up uh, the inside. Uh, just today, they signed uh, Rachel Holloway uh, to a training camp contract, uh, the shot blocker out of Rutgers. I could do a whole podcast on why I think uh, she deserves uh, a chance to play regularly, uh, but I'm really interested to see uh, what Katie Smith sees in her in training camp. But Vadiva is a, uh, a person who you could potentially bring over. You might stash overseas for a little longer, depending on how eager she is ultimately to come. Uh, she's done tremendous things uh, through international play uh, at a relatively young age and has played with WNBA established stars, you know, whether it's NECA, whether it's Angel uh, McCautry. Uh, so she does have something to offer. A lot of the players don't have. I, I, I have not seen her in person. I'm really reluctant to offer definitive opinions about someone I haven't seen in person. But I'm curious, you've seen more video of her than I have. Tell me what you see. I think it's 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 really interesting because it. I do. I do kind of wonder if she weren't 19 years old, what would what would he be hearing about her? Mm-hmm. Because I feel that you know, you're a lot of it because that clause almost gets attached to every single conversation that people have about her. Well, oh, she's doing all these things, and she's just 19. Well, to me, if you, I mean, if you just watch the games, if you watch these players, you know, Vadiva versus Asia Wilson, it's not close. Mm-hmm. Asia Wilson's a much better player. She's bigger. She's stronger. She can do more. She's a better defender. And I mean, I feel the same way about Azrae Stevens. I think, I think so. I think it's a clear step down. And I think they're, I think they're just. But you asked about seeing her on video before we get to the stuff about how much she's actually going to want to play. I think it's going to be tough for her to find a position too at six three. She's going to have to guard fours, and we've talked about that already with, you know, the class of that position, you've got to be on the open floor a lot and move your feet. 
And if she's six, if she's just six two, six three, if you slide her over to center, well, and, and this is something you, if you watch your your league, you're seeing, you know, she's got she's gonna have her work cut out for her down there because you know bigger, stronger players are really gonna be able to move her around. I, I mean, it's so interesting. You talked about you know what you can expect right away, and so you know we just throw Emma Miesman out there, uh, who came in the lead at a similar age, and it is it's asking a lot of that player to be what these college seniors are right away. But I, I think really the better question to ask is, do you see in Maria Vadiva someone who is comparable to what Asia Wilson was, let's say, after her freshman year? And that's a very different question. Yeah, I think I think with Vadiva, I, I mean, it's it's so cliche to say this about a big, but like, I think she really needs to be become just a lights-out three-point shooter. And if she's not, I don't think she hits the ceiling that many are projecting for her. Hmm. I think, you know, I think some of the stuff you read is that, you know, she's pretty, that she's kind of comfortable with contact, contact and she likes to get to her left hand for that hook shot. But then, but then you watch these games and my question is, well, who's she doing it against? True. And if she's doing it against other people that are just six one six two, well, you know, you get into a game and then you just, I mean, you just go through these teams, like how many, how many, centers or even four will she really be able to do that against Mm -hmm. i think the answer is not very many interesting i i I don't disagree with you at all and there is someone who i think is more capable at least immediately of doing that uh against some of the bids in the league and uh, that's who i have going 11th uh stephanie mavundra going to the los angeles sparks and you know she's someone who's really impressed me at ohio state uh, you know, with her rugged ability to rebound the ball. And I, I think this is where we're starting to get into the parts of the draft where you think, all right, what is the plus skill that's going to take you and get you minutes in the league? And so for me, with Mavundra, she uh, exponentially increased her offensive efficiency uh, this year uh, and was a, a really effective scorer around the basket. Uh, but even before that happened, her ability to rebound the basketball is something that put her in the elite uh, over the last couple of years. And so I could easily see her on a Brian Adler team that is arguably overstocked with guards. Uh, she's someone who I think could really help them uh, right away, you know, with some rugged minutes off the bench. Is that how you see it for, as well? Yeah, I, I think for the Sparks, the, the really, um, the most, I think maybe the most exciting thing, if you just, you know, if you look at what's been consistent on every draft board, I think the most exciting outcome is for them to come away feeling that they're able to draft a big that could be, that could maybe be their fourth big in some games this season, but, you know, have the ceiling where you think they could be a bigger part of the future because that's what they could, they could really use. They are bringing back Tiffany Jackson Jones um, for next season. She's been re-signed and you know, she's a more experienced player that they'll be able to lean on if they need those minutes. But, you know, they, they rely they rely a lot on having just a few big rotations. So somebody else that they can rely on to get rebounds especially. Um, and then just finish at the rim because, you know, you have Candace Parker and Chelsea Gray setting you up. Um, I think that'd be a home run for them. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. And... Oh, my goodness. I, I, I don't know how he's going to find minutes for everyone, but he will. He's Brian Adler, so you can be sure he will. 
uh, rounding out the first round, and 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 this was this was a challenging thing, but you know when you think about what the Phoenix Mercury are looking to do, to my mind, I haven't picked Monique Billings, uh, the you know uh, elite forward out of UCLA. The the Mercury are in this really interesting mode right now, where obviously it's win now as much as possible, uh, you know, and make the most of the Diana Tarazi Brittany Griner partnership over the next few years. So it's who are you drafting that helps allow you to do that? Uh, and I think Billings diversifies them a little bit in terms of what they get out of their front line. Uh, she's someone who obviously has lead athleticism. Uh, one concern I've heard from some WNBA talent evaluators is, is she going to be able to rebound effectively enough to play big minutes at the four? I guess I, I sort of see two, two things from that. One is that I expect her to get stronger in the lead, and two, when you have Brittany Griner, I think that limits how worried you have to be about the type of rebounding that you get out of the four. But what do you think here? You, I could see several ways they're going. Do you, do you think that's how it ends up? Yeah, you know it's it's tough with it's tough with Phoenix because I don't. There, I mean, they might not be. It's gonna be really hard for them just to clear up the roster spot for mm-hmm. whoever they get here. Um, and I, I, you know, I wonder, you know, what their board looks like because maybe you know, I wonder if there's just you know maybe there's just one name that they really feel like okay we need to get this player because if not, we're not sure if this player is even gonna fit because they've got you know eleven. In my mind, I you know all their eleven players signed standard contracts. They're players that they want to keep around. Right. I I I definitely like Billings. If they did bring her in, although they probably wouldn't be able to offer her any real playing time. Yeah. Um. Unless of course, unless of course she earned it, which she definitely could. I think. I think Griner would be an interesting per- player for her to play with because. You know, I think. Some people maybe would wonder why was why isn't Billing why didn't she step out even further with her jump shot? But I mean, she looks she looks good when she takes the fifteen seventeen footer. She's confident with it, um, and she's pretty consistent with that release. And if you're playing with Griner, you know teams are going to have to leave you wide open to take that shot anyways. So those kind of looks are going to be just served up on the T four if she is playing a lot right away. And I think this point in the draft, if you're looking big, I think she is, I think she is the best one available. I agree. It's uh, really interesting though, to be sure. And uh, there are, there are a number of other uh, talents. And before I let you go, uh, you know, I, I would love for you to make one case for a player who you think probably goes second, third round, but has a chance to really contribute uh, in the league, and and I'd l- I'd love to hear who who your pick would be for that. Um, I'm gonna well, I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat and say two. Okay. I'll just I'll talk about one. I think I think Lauren Goodwin would be an interesting player to get a shot as a backup point guard. I think she can really score, and I think if you watch Oklahoma State, I think she really. She really understands how to play, how to run, pick and roll. So if there's a team that needs that from a second or third point guard, I think she'd have a chance to impress. But I would say Marie Gulich. I think I'd have to, as the guy who was asked to watch the Pac-12 for us this year. I think I think there's a lot there on offense, especially that we just didn't really see. 
and there were a couple of sequences in the tournament, especially against Tennessee, where she got a rebound and then she just took off. And I was like, wow, I didn't, I had no idea she could run like that. And, you know, like the, you know, the pace of a game obviously dictates whether or not you see that. But I mean, there were times where she puts the ball down and, you know, she can really move at six, five and she can be a player that could, that could grab and go a little bit. We saw her face up a little bit and take bigger centers off the dribble. And against a like-sized player, she's got, she's got nice craft, nice patience. If she gets the ball, her back to the basket. So, you know, she was just, you know, we saw it for Oregon State. She was just, all year, she was their rock. You know, mm-hmm. if she got, they were a really good defensive team, but if she got in a lick of foul trouble in any game against a good team, they were just going to be toast. And, you know, she showed up every night for them. And, you know, I think that's got to be a really encouraging sign if you're thinking about, you know, early second round, late second round, especially where a lot of these players might struggle to make a roster spot. I think this is a player where you've seen you've seen her grow, and you've seen her be a leader for her team. So I think that'd be something I, that definitely helps her case. I I think very highly of Grulich too. I, I'm really interested to see where she lands because that that'll depend a lot on what kind of opportunity she gets. I I could even see her at 12 and seeing Phoenix look for uh, you know a more consistent answer for when Griner is off the floor, which is obviously something that has been on their mind dating back to when they traded for Kelsey Bone. So uh, I, I'm curious about that too. I, I'm just going to talk about Morgan William a little before we go. Uh, and, and spoke a little bit about it in the last of our mock drafts. But to me, Morgan William is someone who was probably overlooked going into college because of her size. You know, she's listed 5'5". Five, five. She's not. She's five two and a half. Um, but it's not just that she played uh, key moments for a Mississippi State team. It's not just obviously the shot and the fact that, you know, we obviously know she's capable of rising to the occasion in a way that uh, matters more than you'd think to a number of WNBA talent evaluators. But, you, you know, you break down the numbers and she, not just in transition, is capable of being super quick and getting to the basket, but was extremely good in the half-court offense. You know, a, a primary reason why Mississippi State, by her senior year, was not just an effective uh, team of turning you over and uh, playing a game defensively that kept them in it, but uh, was a top 25 team offensively as well, was she was top 10 percentile, if you go by synergy, uh, in terms of uh, points per possession in the half-court set. And I, I think that's really significant, especially given the fact that she was not her team's first or even second option offensively, arguably not even the third at times when Roe Johnson's shot was falling. So to me, you get someone like that, you throw her in the mix as a backup point guard spot, uh, her reach far outstretches her height. She's got a 5'11 reach. Uh, you know, 5'11 windspan, which is really significant. She's someone who will play through anything. She played through a broken leg for most of her sophomore year, which is just sort of unfathomable. Uh, I, I really, I know this, this league is filled with people who can play in the league, and the rosters don't include a lot of people who can play in the league just by virtue of the fact that even, you know, at this point, we have 12 teams. Even the fact that the roster is small, there is no G League. It is just a very small number of people. But I sure hope that Morton William gets an opportunity uh, to at least try for one of those roster spots. 
yeah, it, it'll it'll be interesting. It's definitely tough. It's definitely tough to make it. It sure. Second or third round pick. Um, but you know, my last thing is, I think it's really going to be interesting to follow. If I mean, for any of these teams, I mean, I, I think I think eleven teams have a shot at a playoff spot, and if Kelsey Mitchell is better than any of us expected. I think all 12 could be in that mix. Mm-hmm. But especially if one of these top-tier teams, if they get if they get more than expected out of one of these players, I think, I think that's going to be really fascinating to see because with the playoff format, to me, the real takeaway is that, the, that what those top two seeds are the most valuable thing in basketball right now. And so I think we're going to see these, I think we're going to see all these other teams really gun for it and it's only going to get, you know, we we keep saying Minnesota and LA are the class of the league, but with each new year, I mean, those teams are just going to keep chipping away at that because if they can get that double buy, I mean, that's that's just such a game changer. And then in a shortened schedule, you know, it's 94 days, I believe, you know, one turned ankle could really affect how that shakes out and could open the door for other people to get into that mix. I mean, the league's really done a great job if you think about the way the format's set up. Uh, other than the fact that I think it really penalizes the third seed in any given season uh, in, in a way that's really problematic. Uh, but outside of that, they've turned the regular season into something that matters and matters a lot. Uh, and that is a big difference from the previous playoff format. And so I, I applaud them. I think they, they've done something great here. I think the NBA ought to follow their lead uh, and suspect they will before before too long. Well, Ben Dahl, Always great to chat with you. Uh, really enjoyed this. Really looking forward to uh, coming tomorrow night, uh, seeing your analysis in real time. Uh, but where can people follow you and follow your work? Uh, sure. Well, on Twitter, you can find me at Split the Post. Um, and just all my, all my writing, you'll be able to find me at High Post Hoops. And, you know, I always enjoy hearing from people and I'm always open to suggestions on, you know, what should I write about? What can I do differently? Um, and you know, what can we what can we do with our with our coverage to to bring in more readers? Well, we we certainly love having you here. And Ben, thank you so much for the time, and uh, look forward to speaking with you soon. Absolutely, thanks for having me.